0: You're listening to the CryptoCast podcast. Welcome to the crypto and blockchain talk. Hello, hey, hallo, hola, Shalom. hello, namaste, mihal, Vive. hello, salut, yasas, salve, ciao, bonjour. Our podcast talks about the latest trends in the worlds of cryptocurrencies and the blockchain. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of Crypto and Blockchain Talk. This week, Binance, the world's largest crypto exchange by volume, has stated that they will be delisting Bitcoin SV or BSV after a long week of controversy which surrounded the cryptocurrency and its creator, Craig Wright. Joining us for this week's podcast is Jonathan Dunsmore, who is a very well-known leading U.S. corporate securities attorney. Hello, Jonathan. Hello. Hello. We also have with us Seem Onup, a well-known trader. Hello, Seem. Hello. Well, I'm going to give some background, and then I'm going to have you two weigh in on the different topics surrounding this. But to give some background to our audience... It was just this Monday that Binance, one of the world's largest crypto exchanges, as I said by reported volume, said that they would be delisting all BSV trading pairs on April twenty second. And this is just days after Binance's CEO, Shang Peng Zhao, threatened to do so if Craig Wright did not seize attacks on Twitter or other social media users who were claiming that Craig Wright is not Satoshi Nakamoto, who is the synonymous creator of Bitcoin. In Binance's announcement, the exchange said that they periodically review each digital asset they list to ensure that they continue to meet the high level of standards that Binance expects. Now, This is where it gets very interesting because the reason why this all came to the state that it is in now is because Craig Wright was stating that he was Satoshi Nakamoto. And this resulted in many people saying, well, Craig, this isn't really the case. We know you're not Satoshi Nakamoto, so please stop it. We did a podcast, which was podcast number 31, which we aired in September of 2018 called Bitcoin Cash Forked Up. And in our podcast, we actually stated that We also felt that if Craig Wright had concrete proof he was the real Satoshi Nakamoto, that he would have applied to patent the Bitcoin name a long time ago to prevent this confusion, as well as to make billions of dollars. So we had actually already done a podcast on this some months ago. But of course, now it's come to head again, because a number of people have come out to publicly state that they weren't happy with his constant allusion to the fact that he was Satoshi Nakamoto, and therefore giving some kind of extra relevance to Bitcoin SV, which they also felt was not really a fair thing to do and possibly illegal, which we'll cover that in just a moment. And Also for users to understand, Bitcoin SV stands for Satoshi's vision. So Bitcoin SV, Satoshi's vision before we go any further, Jonathan, why don't you weigh in at this point? What do you think about Craig Wright claiming he is Satoshi Nakamoto and threatening people like Dr. Peter McCormick and saying, if you don't recognize me as being Satoshi Nakamoto, I am going to bring a lawsuit against you because I am allegedly Satoshi Nakamoto. So what's the legal standpoint on all of this?
1: Uh, That is a great question. So first and foremost, this is of course for educational purposes, not legal or investment advice. So this is very interesting from a number of perspectives. One, because uh, it involves a number of different people around the world. Primarily Craig Wright, who I believe is Australian, though I don't know his current citizenship. So that being said, when you claim something, you know, I could claim that I'm Satoshi Nakamoto, you generally have to provide some type of proof or or people will call you a liar. And so that's basically what the internet has done. And then Wright has gone forward and basically sent the equivalent uh, in the US of cease and desist. And then actually one step further of actively, proactively admitting that Craig Wright is Satoshi Nakamoto by issuing an apology, saying that he's a fraud. And so we are in this extrajudicial territory of there's a whole lot of weirdness going on. We have this weird case where Craig Wright is basically suing these people for liableness and defamation by claiming that he is a fraud and he is not actually Satoshi Nakamoto, where Wright has not produced one single iota of evidence that he is. And so should these cases, which is what most of uh, the people that he has threatened to sue, uh, proceed, uh, he would have to prove this, especially in American courts. Um, and so should he not be able to prove his case, not only would he be entitled, uh, the, the defendant be entitled to court costs, a countersuit as well, but also potentially punitive damages if this was something that continued on a scale and continued numerous cases. So it is absolute insanity that this is even something that's being discussed in the crypto community. And it's, it's clearly detracted enough headlines and enough media attention that it's really frustrating because there should not be this when people are actually trying to build and create ecosystems. And this, for lack of a better term, idiot comes out here and makes these claims, these baseless claims.
0: So in terms of it, the cryptocurrency itself, in terms of trading and the value of the cryptocurrency amidst all of this hoo-ha that's going on in the background, Seem, how do you see the cryptocurrency itself, the essence of the cryptocurrency, ignoring everything about Craig Wright, how do you see the cryptocurrency faring in the long term?
2: Long term investors always look at the product itself and how it's going to be doing in, in real life. Uh, when it comes to short term, however, the effects are already visible now and I don't think that they're going to be, uh, it's not the last we we have seen regarding the short term effects. But but yeah, in the long term, I think that uh, it's not, th- these quotes and these uh, potential lawsuits are not really damaging as such.
0: So in terms of trading though, and trading pairs, would you still, as a trader, think that it's going to be harder for people to have trust in this as a as a cryptocurrency and to use it as part of their you know in trading in pairs and and trading in general and using it as a currency
2: definitely uh, it makes it harder to trade especially if uh as exchanges large as uh, Binance is delisting them. Uh, right now, Bitcoin SV is still in, no, in, in enough exchanges for that not to make any large long-term effects. But, you know, with exchanges as Kroken saying that uh, there's a good chance that they will be delisted as well, it, it makes it harder and harder, and it is quite damaging.
0: Okay, so we know that besides um Binance, we know that ShapeShift CEO Eric Voorhees announced that also their exchange would delist Bitcoin SV and Kraken after thousands of people were polled and 71% said that they thought that Bitcoin SV was toxic. And so they delisted the coin. But the coin is still on coin market cap. It's holding actually not so bad at the 14th position in terms of market cap. Even though these three major exchanges have said that they are delisting Bitcoin SV on their exchanges, there are still quite a few exchanges that are still listing them for trading. So you're saying, Seem, that you don't see it having a massive impact long term?
2: The the listing in some of the major exchanges, in my opinion, does not have a long lasting long term effect, no. But if this is a start of the listing from different exchanges, it will create the snowball effect that will have lasting effects.
0: So Jonathan, in terms of this cryptocurrency, as we see, is being delisted from exchanges, which I guess would be akin to some CEO in a NASDAQ listed company doing something ridiculous and then NASDAQ turning around and saying, we are kicking them off of the exchange. What are your feelings on
1: this? Yeah, I mean, that is the comparison that we should make, right? And, and not to say that crypto and blockchain STOs or DSOs are, are the same and they have their quantitative and qualitative differences, but we can't imagine that even under almost the most egregious conditions would an absolute kind of delisting happen because of the actions of a CEO. If the company was an Enron-based company or something where it was clearly bad, we could not have something similar happen on the capital market side where Nasdaq even if you know their CEO is convicted of something horrific we would never have them just simply delist a company for that and so it's it's not the same but it is a similar genre and that is where we start really getting into the long term effects of something like a, a crypto exchange uh, especially a centralized crypto exchange where people can just be delisted you know because they're unpopular we talked about this earlier a market pause would have been the the proper kind of way of doing that and i would probably advise for them to pause trading basically freeze trading on those assets until this entire thing was resolved but i think the act of delisting I mean, is destabilizing And so I think that when you combine that with everything else involved in the entire kind of he said, she said, you know, suing people randomly and having them proclaim that you are Satoshi Nakamoto, all of these type of things are very, very childish. And so at that point, when someone's being really childish, you have to take the high road, especially when you're building really large ecosystems like the crypto community. And so I would, I had I advised Binance or Kraken or had the opportunities to, I would have said simply pause them, tell them that, you know, trading is going to be paused. There's not going to be any transactions made, even effectively immediately. I mean, as you said, the SEC, you'll open trading at at, uh, 9 a.m. and that stock won't be available. (laughs) So that's exactly what should have occurred. And I would have advised them to, you know, make those type of engagements immediately. Uh, And issue a press release saying, you know, we've got so much uh, disinformation in the market right now that we believe that it is not beneficial for the community, specifically our traders and investors, and therefore we are going to pause trading on BSV
0: being that Craig Wright's the head of Bitcoin SV, and he's saying things which people are taking great exception to, and they're they're really unhappy with him stating this. Aren't we also going down a different legal avenue? Craig Wright is actually doing kind of what the SEC has prosecuted and thrown people in jail for, which is by going around and saying, I am Satoshi Nakamoto. He is trying to raise almost the validity. He's trying to put more weight behind Bitcoin SV as a coin because he's basically saying, saying, look, you know, here I am, I'm this genius who not only founded Bitcoin, but now I have Bitcoin SV. But what he's doing is he's trying to create a false sense of security in saying that more people should be investing because of the genius behind the actual token or currency itself. Do you understand what I'm saying here, Jonathan? The,
1: The equivalent in the capital markets would be kind of a pump and dump.
0: He's trying to actually use this premise that he is satoshi nakamoto to actually say look you know trust in this currency you know believe in it it's like when all these other icos went out there and they made credulous statements that would make people think okay yeah i need to put more money into this because we feel this is going somewhere
1: that, that's exactly what it's like i mean he's equivalently uh, in the capital markets acting almost as a uh, pump and dump mechanism i mean without having the ability to uh, effectively back this up. And ha- as far as I know, I haven't you know, seen anything from any uh, credible sources that have verified uh, this accusation. And so, you know, he's basically pumping up the position of BSV because he's now claiming to be Satoshi Nakamoto and so when you have those type of egregious accusations they they require egregious evidence they require something to back up those claims and I understand why Kraken and Binance starting to take this approach but it's one of those things where in the law we say it goes down a slippery slope because you don't want to have the will of the people expressed just because someone is a jerk or because some idiot thinks he's Satoshi Nakamoto those kind of things create detriment to the whole of, of of the community and and seem is absolutely right it may not be long-term it's not going to be something that truly affects traders over the entire course of trading but it could have some significant effects especially for those people who you know may not have been paying attention to the twitter war that occurred and understood what was going on or, or some other people that were just simply kind of caught off guard and you know i know that most of the exchanges have given dates at which they plan to shut off access but that has to have caused some type of negative influence in the market. And so when acting in a responsible manner, which is kind of the theory behind Satoshi's true vision, right, is to act in a a kind of take the human element out of it. We seem to have forgotten that in this case.
0: Yes. So, Jonathan, do you think the SEC is paying attention in any way to this current war on social media, on what's happening between... Craig Wright and all these Twitter users, or not even just Twitter, like I said, but other social media users who, who are calling him out. Do you think they have this on their radar or do you think this is something they don't care about? What's your feeling on that point?
1: Sadly, I'm afraid someone has their pulse on it. I don't know if it's gonna go high up to Layton's office or Valerie Zapatik, uh who is the crypto mom, but I imagine that someone is aware of these things. They've probably laughed and had the kind of discussions that we're having. Regardless of, of what the CEO is doing and regardless of how ridiculous his actions may be, it's one thing to kind of act unilaterally. And don't get me wrong, as we've discussed, Kraken took a vote and, you know, Binance has kind of did this unofficial kind of poll of continue this line of actions and we're going to delist you. But I, I think that hurts the market overall. That it's very centralized thinking for a protocol that claims to be decentralized.
0: You know, one of the things that was said by uh, Zhang Pengzhao, who's the head of finance, He said that he really did want to listen to what the users of his exchange were, were feeling and, and saying about him. And this is the reason why they went into, into this direction, because he wanted to be sure that he was protecting the interests Of the users so wouldn't that be the right way to maybe deal with this especially in the early age of crypto to say look we call you out as such and we don't like the way you're operating in this very new space and especially when regulations are still kind of this amorphous cloud we want to actually act as some kind of regulators and show the world that we won't put up with this don't you think in a little way this could be the reason why these exchanges have said enough
1: no that is absolutely you know possibly a reason that they're using that mechanism of hey this is what the people want so this is what we're giving them but the people aren't always right. And I know that's uh, a very controversial thing to say, but we have, at least in the United States and, and most other countries, a democratically elected republic, right? And so we have representatives who are supposed to look out for our best interest. They always don't necessarily do that. But that's because a true democracy is basically a mob mentality. And history has shown that mobs are very, very, very volatile. And so does Craig Wright deserve some of the Twitter rebukes and all of the craziness that has come of this absolutely you know if you toss gasoline on a fire you deserve the explosion but that being said I do think the adults in the room specifically the exchanges which you know kind of have to hold themselves at a higher standard than the average kind of issuer or company or you know anybody else in the space because they control so much of the market regardless of of kind of even their market cap they still make waves and so with that wave making they've got to be careful of the precedents they set and so you know what happens next you know is there some other idiot who's going to come out and claim that he's Satoshi Nakamoto and what happens then are they going to be... What happens if they're not a CEO? What if they're a board member? What if they're the chief architect? Does that mean that coin is delisted? Well,
0: it's um, kind of, this is what I call the Spartacus effect. You know, I am Spartacus. No, I am Spartacus. And I have something to tell you, Jonathan. I am Satoshi Nakamoto. And I was pretty sure I, was I told hoping you, you. I am yeah. Satoshi. I have claimed I it from... It. I knew I thought everyone knew that. So I was upset when Craig Wright actually said he was claiming be Satoshi. I thought, that's me. But I have to ask you something. Seem, you know, I mean, do crypto traders in general really care at all? If this guy is claiming to be Satoshi Nakamoto, Mickey Mouse, uh, Scooby-Doo, do they care at all? I mean, does that really weigh into the factors? Um, Do do morals actually weigh into the factor of making sound financial judgments? I mean, is this something that people think to themselves, okay, well, you know, the CEO of this company has said that, you know, he's Mickey Mouse. Okay, I'm going to sell all my, you know, my BSV.
2: Uh, well, yes, I would say it definitely matters. Finding Satoshi Nakamoto has been one of the key questions since the beginning of Bitcoin, or ever since Bitcoin became valuable enough uh, for people to actually uh, get a lot of money from uh, investing into it. And there have been number of people who are claiming to be Satoshi Nakamoto, there have been uh, hundreds of people who could potentially be, and... If a true Satoshi Nakamoto is found uh, for sure at one point and he happens to be head of Disney <laughs> Disney, oh, or any really, well, mostly crypto related t- uh, companies, then I believe it has a huge impact. Because as, as we know, people who are very known in the world, if they're head of any company, it boosts a lot with the marketing. Uh, so doesn't
0: that go back to my thoughts on this, that it's in a way, false representation and in, in in a way of representing the product of the company then because obviously if you're saying... And I mean, we'll just use Disney. If if Walt Disney himself were to walk into a room and say, "I'm Walt Disney. I want to sell you my mouse products," that obviously has more weight than some Joe off the street walking in and saying, "Hi, my name is Walt Disney. These are my mouse products." Because he's essentially trying to sell his goodwill and the and the and the trademark, I should even say, of somebody else. Even though you know, like I, we also said during our podcast in September, if he was the true Satoshi Nakamoto, he he would have shown the proof then.
2: Yeah. It's, it's, it's relatively simple to prove that, uh, especially if you have already existing all the original, uh, even the papers or original uh, transactions, uh, is relatively easy to prove if somebody's truly Satoshi Nakamoto. I'm sure, uh, I'm yeah. sure it is. But yeah, you're completely right. I mean, it's very, um, very easy to make uh, different uh, claims. Uh, I mean, recently we've seen Elon Musk doing something similar and uh, he paid very heavy price for that. So why would that be any different uh, in in this case?
0: Just going back to Binance's statement earlier this week, they, they said that they periodically review each digital asset they list to ensure that it continues to meet the high levels of standards that they expect. And they also cited a number of factors that they weigh up in this. And they really took great exception to rights attacks on both the Twitter user named huddle who started the lightning network torch and some other individuals and one of those individuals as we stated at the beginning of this podcast is dr peter mccormick who wrote the most exceptional response to craig wright's lawyers i mean the the legal response did you read this jonathan this response that craig wright Penned, or yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Craig Wright on uh, advice from his uh, own solicitors, which, by the way, he claims that uh, he has 15 lawyers who are willing to represent him on a pro bono basis. Did you read this letter?
1: I did not read the letter Peter wrote, but I did read the, the Scott Wright letter. And the Hodel Cat was absolutely outrageous. The fact that Wright would, I think the bounty was 5,000 USD, clearly paid for in BVS, which, you know, leads once again to Kraken and, and Binance and shift. Network's argument that, you know, he's using this for bad or ill at least. To put a bounty on an anonymous avatar because they're talking smack to you on Twitter is the most ridiculous thing. Anyway, so what what happened was is, you know, there's all of this going back and forth between these lawyers who, quite frankly, had just started their law firms. But I have no idea what their background is or, or what representation they have. But This is generally something that you need at least the understanding of the stories behind this before you delve deep into understanding who Satoshi Nakamoto is. And so that seems really, really ballsy of these Brits to kind of take this case. And I really hope that uh, it does go to court. I hope that we are able to see either what a fraud and absolute liar Craig Wright is, or he will once and for all prove that he has the documents to uh, make the court and hopefully the rest of the world will see uh, believe that he is Satoshi Nakamoto and then we can all apologize as he has uh, so eloquently uh, suggested in one of these letters.
0: Just so that the audience who are listening understands, basically, Craig Wright said that he would put up a bounty of five thousand U.S. dollars for anyone who can identify who Huddlenot was by the tattoos which were displayed on the few photos that he's actually posted online, and he also targeted a lot of other people, and not just him, not just Huddlenot. So, I-, I think that a lot of people in the crypto space, uh, many many people in the crypto space. Are pretty solid. And of course, when you have things like this that happen, it it kind of gives a bad taste in everyone's mouth. But what's a little bit worse is that now you have John McAfee entering the ring and he's now taken to Twitter because, of course, you know, he loves being in the public eye to announce that he is going to share clues about the true identity of Satoshi Nakamoto. And McAfee does not know who Satoshi Nakamoto is. I can guarantee it. Uh, everyone in crypto and blockchain talk land, I can guarantee that the only person who knows who Satoshi Nakamoto is, is Satoshi Nakamoto. Anyone who really knew who this guy was, I think that the secret would have actually been out a long time ago. McAfee also tweeted, I am protecting the identity of Satoshi. It's time, though, that this be put to bed. And he he's going on and on. But you see, this is the thing. Satoshi wants to be anonymous for a reason. He has not told anyone who he is. It's very obvious that he doesn't want anyone to know who he is. And when the time is right, and that proof does come to light, we will then know. But I am absolutely certain that anybody who's claiming right now to be Satoshi Nakamoto, or even know who he is, the more they talk and they claim they know who he really is, They are just putting themselves into the line of a world of pain unless they have all of the proof. And there's a really great show, which I do watch online, called Judge Judy. And as Judge Judy always says, you have to have the proof. You have to make sure you have all of the proof to basically back it up. Otherwise, it's just a load of hot air.
1: In all honesty, the true Satoshi Nakamoto would never do this, right? I mean, they would that's there's a reason that it it's uh so uh secretive and so anonymous is that there was no real name put on the paper the original white paper for bitcoin and so to have this kind of proclamation basically out of the blue it's not like bitcoin's uh, reached a hundred thousand dollars or uh you know all the world's problems are solved using bitcoin now it's not there's no reason for him to make this proclamation and there's more importantly, been no evidence to back this up. And so in U.S. court, if he were to try these really silly tactics, he would not only be sued by or countersued by the party who he's suing, but he would also have to actually produce evidence to show that he is Satoshi Nakamoto, which is an exceptionally high bar because once again, this person is not known to anyone other than what we believe the federal government and the federal government's not going to come out and verify it. So unless they prove beyond a reasonable doubt that he is Satoshi Nakamoto, then he's not going to be able to recover any type of damages from the defendant.
0: So as we can see, making these alleged comments about himself being Satoshi has, has actually backfired a bit for him. And, and do you want to say anything to wrap this up, Jonathan?
1: Uh, Yes, I would like to say that um, I truly believe the reason that Wright is making these silly proclamations is because there is only a couple of people in the entire world that can really kind of verify who Satoshi Nakamoto is, one being the U.S. federal government. And we know this because the FBI has actually kind of done an investigation into that for kind of tax purposes and other nefarious purposes, as well as there is some fringe belief that U.S. government played a role in the development of blockchain technology using uh, cryptography. So with all that being said, uh, it's kind of this catch-22 where, you know, the U.S. government isn't going to out who they've been working with. And Wright has enough of a background to make it somewhat believable, right? He's old enough. He's got uh, a background in computer science. But for the most part, that's, I mean, that's a couple hundred thousand people in the entire world, but he has to prove it regardless of who he goes around and sues and, and, and what type of accusation he has made. There is a reasonable assumption that whatever he is saying is generally considered false unless evidence is gathered and presented otherwise. And so I can't speak to you know the case, the, especially the ongoing case with McCormick, and I think even Buterin's been added to this as well as a couple others. But in the U.S., this would be not taken lightly. And there would be serious repercussions as well as a countersuit because you can't simply just claim something and then kind of walk away. So I, I know that our English brethren are, are kind of similar in the same way in their common law. And I hope that, you know, as this kind of case progresses, we are able to see what Craig Wright has as evidence to prove that he is the legendary Satoshi Nakamoto.
0: Thank you so much, Jonathan. And Seem, what about you? Do you have anything to say to wrap this up?
2: I think most things that uh, were supposed to be said have been covered. For long-term holders and holders, uh, it is not the end of the world, but I would caution you to uh, take a closer look and keep your eye on the transactions and everything that's happening in, with the technology and with the blockchain itself, because that might be the game changer in, uh, in both ways.
0: Well, Well, thank you very much, gentlemen, for joining us for this week's edition of Crypto and Blockchain Talk and talking about Bitcoin SV. I would also like to add a little disclaimer for your listening pleasure. This information should not be interpreted as an endorsement of any cryptocurrency or any specific provider, service, or offering. It is not a recommendation to trade, and cryptocurrencies are speculative, complex, and involve significant risks. They are highly volatile and sensitive to secondary activity performance is unpredictable, and past performance is no guarantee of future performance. You need to consider your own circumstances, do your own due diligence, and obtain your own advice before relying on this or really any information. You should also verify the nature of any product or service, including its legal status and relevant regulatory requirements, and consult the relevant regulators' websites before making any decisions. Again, thank you for listening to Crypto and Blockchain Talk. We're so happy to have you listening to us on a weekly basis. Remember to tell your friends and family that they can download us on Stitcher, iTunes, Podbeam, and Spotify. And please like us on Twitter and leave comments on Facebook. Again, thank you for listening to us this week and we look forward to having you as our listener next week. Take care and goodbye.
2: for listening to the Cryptocast Podcast. Stay tuned in for more episodes. Thanks for listening to the Cryptocast Podcast, stay tuned in for more episodes.